Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Jason here. Welcome back to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. And yes, this is the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. And as always, it's a book that you can go right out and pick up from Amazon or wherever it is that's for sale. And this is another one of those weeks where I know you're going to want to go pick this up right away. So stay tuned. It's an exciting book. I got a special guest with me today. Say hi. Hi, Owen. <laughs> I got my, my granddaughter, Skyly with me today. She's here in the studio hanging out with Papa, and uh, we're just doing our little greetings together. So isn't that right? Yep. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but uh, I had, oh gosh, it was terrible. Uh, you were sick, weren't you? Yeah, you were sick a while back, and then Papa got sick. <laughs> And I didn't get to go to uh, I didn't get to go to the Show Me Your Books KC event. Yeah, I know. There's some candy over there. Hang on. <laughs> so yeah, she was sick, and then I got sick. Oh my gosh, that as if I wasn't sick enough. That made me even sicker yet. That I didn't get to make it. Uh, you know, I was watching the group photos online. It looks like everybody that came had a had a wonderful time. Lots of good things, and I keep hearing wonderful things about it. So. You know, it, I can't wait for next year. And uh, all of you out there, all of you authors who attended it, and even if you're not somebody who attended it, but you're interested in maybe coming on the show, anybody out there, go ahead and reach out to me. Well, how do you do that? How do you reach out to Popo? Um, yeah. On the microphone? <laughs> that's right. Okay. Well, that's one way. Now, actually, if you want to reach out to me, reach out to me on either uh, email which is samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to my Facebook page, which is Sample Chapter Podcast on Facebook. Go to our Twitter page. Send me a, a DM on there. Any of those methods will, will work. Uh, reach out to me. Let me know who you are and that you'd like to come on the show. Or if you know somebody that you would love to have this person come on the show, you want to recommend them. I've, I've reached out to people before because of a friend's recommendation, and I have yet to be disappointed. I don't think you're going to disappoint me either. Um, if you're an author who is working on that first book, you know, I've been there, all of us, all of us authors have been there before. So I encourage you, don't give up, keep going, get that book done. And as soon as it's done and, and you're ready to hit that publish button on Amazon, let me know. And I'll be happy to have you come on the show and, uh, you know, tell the world all about your book. I can't wait to hear your book myself. And, uh, I believe in you. Well, I, I guess, uh, Skyler, I guess I should talk about the sponsors, huh? Yeah. yeah. All right. So I want to thank our sponsors. You Store All of Warrensburg, Missouri is the absolute fantastic best place you can go to for self-storage in the Warrensburg area with climate control and a fully fenced-in facility. More than 40 cameras recording 24 hours a day. You won't do any better than You Store All. So check them out online at ustoreall.net. That is the letter U. S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. Check them out and tell them Jason sent you. Hey, I also want to thank Podcast Garden as our host site for this show and many, many others just like us. You know, very fun shows. Lots of good things to uh, to listen to. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, you can do that the first month for free. So check them out. So head on over to podcastgarden.com and get yourself started. Well, today 
Do you know who my guest is today, Skyly? Can you say? <laughs> can you say Carl? Carl, yeah. Carl Alves was my guest today. He is a horror fantasy sci-fi author who, I actually, uh, we ran into each other, or, or he reached out to me after hearing me on Armcast, uh, the Armand Rosamilia podcast, uh, Armcast podcast, and after we got to talking, I realized, well, doggone, I heard him on there too, and uh, he, he got to talking about the book that you're going to hear today. And fantastic guy, and you know, I don't mind at all spreading a little bit of love out towards Armand, because he's got a fantastic show, and I highly recommend you check out both of his shows over on the Project Entertainment you Network. Mom. You want mom? All right, mom's over there. Yeah, Carl and I had, we, we talked for so long, we ended up with, uh, we had a lot in common, and man, was, was such a great guy, he's very humble, he loves to talk up his his friends and other authors that he's come across over the throughout his years of writing and you know just such a fantastic guy so i highly recommend you check out the links after the show you're gonna love the interview you're gonna love his reading and oh my gosh what an outstanding reading he's in the middle of getting the audible done up on his books and he does a great job himself so you guys are in for a treat so I will go ahead and end my portion of it, and we'll get on over to our interview with Carl Alves. So, I'll see you guys on the other side. Skyly, are you going to be here? Yeah? All right. We'll tell her bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Today's guest, I am sitting down with Carl Alves, <laughs> and I just butchered your name. I know I did. As soon as no, it you came, got it pretty good there. Did I? Go, <laughs> as soon as it came out, I thought, "Oh my gosh!" I just, I just messed. Carl Alves, how you doing, Carl? <laughs> I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. But better now that I've gotten past that. Tell, <laughs> tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well. uh I am a horror, fantasy, and science fiction author. I've been doing this probably for about uh, 15 years or so. My uh, first novel, Two for Eternity, came out almost a decade ago. So I've uh, dabbled in various areas of uh, horror, fantasy, and science fiction. I've had about 25 to 30 short stories published in various anthologies and uh, magazines and so forth. My most recent novel is Battle of the Soul. It's a, a supernatural thriller, and uh, later on, uh, we're going to be—I'll be reading that, and hopefully, everybody will like my narration. I'm not a professional voice guy, so hopefully, it'll work for everybody. I think, and I think it'd be great. <laughs> so, so that's my writer part. My uh, my day job: I'm an engineer. I um, I have a degree in biomedical engineering. I uh, have been working for the past couple decades in the pharmaceutical and medical device industry. Right now, I'm living in central Pennsylvania. I work for a medical device company, and that's uh, not nearly as fun as writing. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, I I, I look forward to, uh, you know, that's, that's the dream for all of us to get to start doing this full time. So. Although I don't I don't mind the work at all. It's, uh, it's not bad. A lot of people... <laughs> A lot of people uh, don't like the working world and the corporate world and the nine to five type job. For me, it's it's uh, it works fine. I, I don't I don't complain about it. Well, that's good then, and, and it's it's a nice breakup. Uh, 
I think sometimes uh, having that day job is a big inspiration for our, for our work when we are writing. Yeah, I, I really don't know um, what I would do if I was a, a full-time writer. I, I don't know how I would structure my day. Um, I don't know how I would do my writing because currently, like, I have so very little time to write. Mm-hmm. So I have my day job. I have two kids, uh, one who's about to enter high school, the other is entering third grade, and obviously that takes a lot of time. My wife is a physician, so um, she's on call a lot, and I have to take care of the kids and take them to activities and so on and so forth. So actual writing time is limited, and it usually happens in very short bursts, and I know I have to. I have very little time to produce, and I have to just get my butt down on this chair and, and start writing. If I had all day to write, I don't know what I would do. Uh, I don't know how to handle that. <laughs> how long? Uh, how long do you think it takes you to get a to get a book out on average? Um, it's hard to say because I don't work on one particular thing at a time. I mix in short stories. I I'm working on three different novels at a time. Uh, so it, it's it, it's hard to say. Um, I would if I were to take a guess, I would say from the time I first start writing it to the time I end is probably maybe about three to four years, but then I'm working on other stuff in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a bit of a slow process. <laughs> Lots of editing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now, uh, so you began with uh, your, you had a lot of uh, short, some sh- short work and stuff that you said you sold. Uh, what about uh, Two for Eternity, your, your first book that kicked it all off for you? Tell us about that. Yeah. So, so Two for Eternity wasn't actually the first one that I wrote. The first book that I wrote was uh, was my novel Kanhasara, which was my one right before Battle of the Soul. Uh, but it was the first one that got picked up by a publisher. The publisher is, is now defunct, which is a good thing because it was a very lousy publisher. And <laughs> the experience was not very good. But uh, fortunately, the um, the publisher disappeared from the face of the earth. Uh, nowhere to be found. So I assumed my rights. I, I um, actually my first two books, um, Blood Street and Two for a Train, with, were both with that same publisher. And then I, after that publisher disappeared off the face of the planet, I, I self-published them. My third one, um, Reconquest uh, Mother Earth, um, that's also uh, it was with a, a different publisher, um, and they, they do a fine job. But what I found was that. Unless the publisher has a lot of reach, a lot of contacts, and a lot of know-how, um, they don't. There's not really a lot that they can do that I can't do myself. Mm-hmm. So, and so for my last two, I just decided to not even bother with with finding a publisher and just go the the self-published route. Actually, for Battle of the Soul, um, I did have an offer. Sorry, an author from an offer from uh, Damnation Books. Um, but I had heard some not so great things about them from some of their writers. Um, I'm sure they're fine, but uh, I just felt it probably wasn't for me. So I, I, I turned the offer down and I wound up self-publishing it. And what I found is um, that anything that I can't do, I can pay people to do and I can hire them out. So for this book, I got Killen Patrick Burke to do the cover. He did a fantastic job. I got Tim Markeats, uh, who's a friend of mine, who's a, a great writer. So uh, check out his work. He's a, he's a terrific uh, horror and uh, fantasy writer. Uh, he, I got him to do the edits for it. I got him to do the formatting for it. Um, 
And then the rest of it, I kind of did on my own uh, through Amazon. And the, like I said, unless you're going to, unless you have um, a publisher who can really bring something to the table that they have contacts and they can get your book to places where you can't get to these days, you can, you can do pretty much do the same or possibly even a better job through self-publishing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, when I first started the show, I thought, well, I'll just focus on indie writers because they're the ones who need the help. But I quickly found out how naive that was. Uh, speaking with a lot of traditionally published authors who there's so many of them that are going through little houses and yeah, we're all in the same book. We're all or the same book. We're all in the same place where the marketing is up to the author most of the time. And it, it's up to up to the author to put get the word out, to raise awareness, to try and find speaking engagements or or uh, to get something set up. And so it's right. a, if you're not really going to get help with the marketing, like the other things, you know, the the covers and the edits and the formats, like I, mm-hmm. I know very good people who can who can do those things. You do a great job. Yeah. With things and probably better than the small house publisher is going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, and I love the little shout out to to your friends. Uh, do do they have websites? Um, probably. I'm not entirely sure. I, I know <laughs> Kill and Patrick Burke does. He he uh he he um he's also a writer. He's a very good writer too, and he does uh, book covers and he does some excellent book covers. So, uh, check out his book uh, his um, website and you'll see some really cool covers. If you're an author in need of a cover, it's a good place to go. I would recommend his work. And uh, in off the air, we were talking about um, audio, and uh, I've um, this book, uh, Battle of the Soul, will be coming out in audio. Hopefully, hopefully by the end of the year. I, I have a narrator who's working on it now. Uh, his name is Mark Rossman, and um, he just he just started, and uh, he's doing a doing a really good job with that. And for me, I, I love audio in all formats of it. I listen to audiobooks all the time. I have about uh, maybe about a 45 to 50 minute commute to work. So I like to listen to books on, on the, on the way to work. And, uh, I think, I think these days, especially with, um, the, the way our lives are so mobile these days, that, uh, that's a great way for people to consume, whether it's podcasts, which is what you're doing, or whether it's audio fiction. Um, I think it's a great way for people to consume it where maybe they don't have the time to sit down and read a book, but they do have the time while they're working, while they're exercising, while they're doing things around the house to listen to a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That's, I, I love my audio books. I, I try and read as much as I can, but with with my other jobs, I have lots of time where nobody's around, and so I've got plenty of time to, like you said, listen to podcasts or listen to a book. And you know, it's uh, I I read um, or listened to Robert McCammon's Swan Song a while back, and oh my gosh, the the narrator and I don't I don't know his name offhand here, but man, he uh, that guy knew how to get in the characters' heads and give you uh, different voices and fantastic it was it was inspiring to say the least yeah and, and with the with the audio form um the narrator is is so pivotal to it because i've heard some narrators who are terrible and just like it kills the book and then i've heard narrators who are awesome and who enhance it so much now if, if the if the novel itself or the book itself isn't great then 
there's only so much an narrator could do, but th they can certainly enhance something that's already good. And conversely, they can kill something with terrible narration. So it's key to get a very good narrator. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I hope that works out. I, I look forward to, uh, to checking that out when it comes out. So now, uh, what was, uh, after you did two fraternity, what was your next one to come out? So my next one was Blood Street, um, with the same, with the same publisher who, uh, who did my two for a trade, which was, it was Weaving Dreams Publishing. And then, um, they came out with a new imprint called True Grip Publishing. And that was, that was the first book in that line. Um, and I thought, oh, cool. You know, they're, they're starting a new imprint just for my book and things didn't work out so well. But, uh, anyway, Blood Street is, it's, uh, I like to describe it as um, True Blood meets The Sopranos set in the streets of Philadelphia. So you have uh, vampires and you have mobsters um, who get into a blood feud and it takes place in my native Philadelphia. And I, I made that like as part of the story. Uh, so if you're from there, you'll, you'll find lots of really cool little Easter eggs and things that, uh, that I thought were really cool that I added to it. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. So, so you were you're pretty inspired by uh, where where you grew up, your hometown, that kind of area. Where where else do you get your inspirations? Um, it's hard to say. I, I think I I think I get my inspiration through just living. Uh, I think as a writer, one of the key things is to be very observant. You got to observe everything, and maybe it's not like the plot idea, but in terms of like characterization the way people talk, the way people do things, the decisions that they make. And I think so much of it is just, uh, you know, kind of being the, the wallflower and observing how, how people do things and how people interact. Um, now as far as, uh, as far as my last book, Battle of the Soul, um, I'm not entirely sure where I got that, um, inspiration, but it's, uh, I think it's a cross between uh, The Exorcist, John Constantine, and a little bit of the X-Men thrown in there, which seems like a very odd combination of things. So um, uh, the, the story, um, we'll get into it later, uh, my main character is named Andy Lorenzo, and he's a, he's a kid who's uh, just out of high school. He's in his early 20s, and he's kind of a loser in a lot of ways. He's not very – he's socially awkward – um, he can't do a whole lot of things right. He gets into a lot of trouble. He's got a bit of a drinking habit. He's got a gambling habit that he can't afford, but he's got one thing that he's really good at and that he's the, he's the greatest exorcist that, that humanity has ever known. And in my story, it's uh, set in a time where, um, possession has become rampant and more and more people who are becoming possessed are dying from the possession and, uh, priests who try to use the old uh, Latin Roman Catholic rites of exorcism are finding it failing. And Andy is the one uh, person that demons uh, cower and fear from. So he's got special abilities. What he does is he doesn't have a Bible or prayers or anything. He can physically go into the person's soul. And in the person's soul, he has what you might want to say is superpowers. So he's, he's, incredibly powerful he can and the demon the demons he faces are also very powerful but he always seems to have a way of vanquishing them and he's, he, he continues to grow in strength 
And all that changes when he encounters this eight-year-old girl named Kate who becomes possessed and uh, inside of her soul is a trap that's waiting for him. And it's the toughest battle that Andy ever has to face. Wow. Okay. And this is, and this is, uh, again, that's battle of the soul. Yes, that is. Okay. Yeah, man, this is fantastic. It sounds like a, like a, like a Constantine kind of uh, theme to it. Then that's really awesome. Yeah. And that, that's one of my, that's one of my inspirations for it. Cause I, when, when I saw that, when I saw the movie for the first time, I wasn't, familiar with the graphic novel mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, that, that's a really cool idea um, to, you know, the exorcist is cool and the, and the rights of exorcism and things like that. But the idea of, of uh, kind of physically going into battle was uh, something that, that rang for me. And that, that was something that uh, held my interest for a long time. And then eventually that evolved into this book. You know, and it's funny because as you start talking about that, I started remembering that uh, I remember hearing you on uh, over on Armand Rosamilla's podcast talking about this book. So this is really cool, and uh, it definitely is getting a lot of attention. It seems like. Yeah, and I'm I'm a fan of Armand's uh, podcast, and he was uh, he was nice enough to give me a blurb uh, for this book. So uh, I sent it out to him uh, prior to publication, and he enjoyed it. And Moore Castle, who's a guy I have a lot of respect for, who's a a horror icon. He also really enjoyed this book, and he he uh, gave me a blurb for it as well. And if I can get uh, the approval of those two guys, and then I, I feel as if I've done something right. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you're you're definitely on the right track if you're getting their approval. So uh, well done. I can't. I'm gonna have to pick this up then. So while we're at, tell us a little bit about a couple of these others here. You get Conazero uh, and your your Reconquest Mother Earth. Okay, so so Reconquest Mother Earth. That was my that's my dabbling into science fiction. I'm not much of a, even, even though I'm an engineer, I'm not much of a science fiction kind of guy. And really it's more about an alien invasion. Um, so what happens in that is, uh, aliens invade the planet on the first day of the, uh, invasion. My main character, who's a Navy SEAL, he gets, um, knocked out. He's unconscious. He goes into a coma. He wakes up five years later under the care of uh, an alien physician, and he finds out that the planet that he once knew and loved has now uh, fallen to the aliens. The vast majority of the human population has been wiped out. Um, Another chunk of the population is working as slaves in mines for the aliens, and what's left is just trying to survive. So he leads a one-man mission to take the planet back from the aliens. And I have incredible amount of respect for all branches of the military, but in particular for, for Navy SEALs, I think they, they're, they're living superheroes. So, um, you know, th- that character is a, is a tribute to not just the people who serve our country, but, you know, to the SEALs in particular. So, uh, so it's a, it's a sci-fi book, but, um, without a whole lot of hard science fiction and the, uh, hard sci-fi, was uh, mostly thanks to my editor, Mara Hodges, uh, who worked with me in the book. And uh, Conhacero, um was the first book I ever wrote. It's a it's a horror thriller book. It's um, it, it, it's uh, set in, in uh, the Bay Area in San Francisco, which is kind of different for me because I, I grew up in Philadelphia. Um, but I thought that would be a good place to set it at. And uh, it uh, involves a detective who is uh, – Investigating a series of murders and it all, all the murders are these bizarre 
out of this world kind of stuff that's happening and and uh without any rhyme or reason and it leads him down a chase um to uh, a voodoo uh a priest who has uh, shape-shifting capabilities well this is really cool and you know it's one of the benefits i've got with the, with this show is that you know, a lot of times there's authors and, and lots of stories that I've never heard of, I've never caught before, even though I'm listening to other podcasts. But so then I'm I'm you know getting to talk to you and I'm getting to hear about this and there's so many of your books that just sound fascinating and I'm like oh my gosh I'm gonna go broke because of the show and and all the <laughs> all these great stories it's like I just want to snap them all up right right away because this is this is fantastic and some of these go back to 13, 14 and. You know, 2012 uh, was this a uh, 16? I mean, it, this is really cool. What what do you what do you got coming up? What are you working on now? So uh, right now, I um, the uh, I'm working on the audio version of Battle of the Soul. Um, my next novel that's coming out, uh, my editor Tim Marquez he uh, he edited it for me. Um, it's good. It's called The Invocation, and I'm hoping it's going to be out uh, sometime in 2019. Um, I'm still working through the edits of it, and it involves four uh, elementary school-aged children and a Ouija board and the spirit of a really nasty person who they inadvertently let into our world. Oh, wow. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. So as you can tell, I, I'm not much of a series writer. I kind of have different ideas, and I explore them, and I write it, and then I'm kind of done with it. So I know I know a lot of the trend these days is to write series, and it's never really captured my attention to do that. Well, you know, I mean, the thing about series, though, is the uh, along with that trend is to put them out as fast as possible. And when you are hardworking blue-collar guys like you and I, that's easier said than done. Yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, and and I don't know. Like the the nice thing with writing the books like you're doing is once they're ready, you can just put them right out. You don't have to worry about well, let me wait on book two and three, and then that way I can do a quick release. It's nah, this is ready. Let's go, go for the yeah. Ride. The only thing that's uh, slowing me down is myself and my own time limitations. So. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely, uh, Carl. Where can people find you online? Okay, well, um, easiest place is my website, and it's very simple. It's just my it's www.carlalves.com, so it's my first and last name. So uh, I got that website a while ago. Before I figured uh, it, would be, it would be good to grab it before you know, someone else with that name grabs the website. Uh, so you can find my uh, stuff there. I'm still working on it. My Amazon page is also a good place to to look for all my uh, fiction that's out there. I'm on uh, Facebook as well, and Goodreads if that helps. So you can see me, you can find me at Carl Alves on Facebook. And, and I love that you're on Goodreads too, because whenever somebody's reading your book on Kindle, uh, you're able to just leave your review right away. And that, well, I know one of the things I like to do is I'll put my my reviews up on Goodreads, and then I copy that and bring it over to Amazon. So that way it's on both places depending on where the author prefers it. But some people like one or the other, but I, I like them both. And I also have a, I forgot to mention, I have a, a blog that's on my website that um, I'm pretty active with. So I do, I do movie reviews, I do author interviews, I do book reviews, anything that will capture my fancy. Uh, so you can check that out. I usually try to update it once or twice a week. Recently I did a, an interview with uh, 
author Dan Padavona, who's a terrific up-and-coming author. I uh, reviewed his uh, his novel Storberry, so you can give that a look. Okay, and that's on your website? Yeah, www.carlalvez.com. There's a blog page that I have set up. Fantastic. Yeah, and that's connected with your Amazon as well. I just saw your little, uh, the little snippets that come up on here. This is really cool. It's wonderful how everything connects. It's like magic. <laughs> Absolutely. Carl, I've had a lot of fun. This has been great, and uh, I cannot wait to dive into Battle of the Soul and hear hear a little bit about that. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you over to Carl Alves, Alves and Battle of the Soul. I wanted to, uh, instead of starting out at the very beginning, the chapter that I'm choosing is, for me, it's kind of like the pivotal chapter because this is the chapter where everything changes, both in the story and for Andy Lorenzo as a character. So I thought this would be a good uh, chapter to read. So without further ado, chapter nine. Instead of his usual graceful entry into the land of the soul, Andy crashed onto the ground. He jumped to his feet when he realized he had landed on a surface that had the appearance of lava. Christ! The air was cool and crisp, disorienting him since his brain was telling him it should be scorching hot. After moving to solid ground, he scanned the area. It was like he had stepped into one of the seven circles of hell. All around him were canyons, gulches, and deep outcroppings of molten rock. Lava flowed freely between the crevices of the rough ground. Fireballs shot across the sky. For a while, he stood riveted, unable to take his eyes off this blazing inferno. Focus on what you're here for. He had a job to do, a little girl to save. Not just the little girl, but sweet, beautiful Holly's daughter. It wasn't like the stuff could actually hurt him. Just to prove his point, he reached down and touched the lava. He yelped and retracted his hand. Son of a... He stared at his red inflamed hand. Just what was going on here? The physical manifestations of the landscape and environment had never had an effect on him before. He had walked through walls of flame without so much as getting singed in the past. He had to find this girl. Then he could exercise the demon and be gone. This place freaked him out, and he did not want to spend a moment longer than he had to. He could only imagine how terrified Kate must be. Poor girl. He focused on the area around him using his telescopic vision. He could turn it on and off just by thinking about it. At least this place hasn't, hadn't dulled his senses. Something far in the distance caused his attention. It was small and had blonde hair. Had to be Kate. She was wandering aimlessly. He cracked his knuckles. It was time to get busy. He ran to her, not able to go as fast as he would like because of the lava. Occasionally, he stepped on the flowing black and red substance, scorching his feet. It wasn't enough to disable him, just enough to slow him down. When he got close to the girl, the earth began shaking, causing him to lose his balance. He was running so fast that he stumbled and flew, landing face first into a patch of molten rock. He clenched both fists and screamed. It felt like boiling water had scalded his face. He wiped his face and searched for a stream or a lake that he could dunk his head into, but had no such luck. This place was one big fiery pit. The demon had to be incredibly powerful to control this environment so thoroughly. He got to his feet and ran toward Kate. She screamed. He probably looked like crap after landing on the molten rock and burning his face. Maybe he resembled the demon that tormented her. It's okay, Kate. He held up his hands, but the gesture did not seem to soothe her hysteria. Everything is going to be all right. I'm here to help you. As he got closer, her screaming intensified. She was having a nuclear meltdown. He wanted her to stop, but didn't know how. It's not like he was a child psychologist. My name's Andy. I'm going to get you out of here. He reached for her shoulder, but she shrank away and shrieked louder. 
The possessed usually reacted so well to him. Nothing was going right in this exorcism. He had to keep her calm. Kate, your mommy sent me to help you. She's really worried about you. Kate's screaming slowed and eventually stopped. Her entire body shook as she sobbed. It broke his heart to see this little girl in so much pain. My mommy? Yeah, your mommy wants you back. So she sent me to get you. You can trust me. I'm not going to hurt you. Kate trembled. She began sobbing once more. And he lowered himself so that they were at eye level. Kate, your mommy's very worried about you. She sent me to save you from the bad guy. I'm going to take care of you. You can't help me. Andy raised her chin. Have you ever watched Superman? Kate nodded, no longer crying. Well, I'm Superman's big brother. I taught him everything he knows. But you don't look like Superman. Where's your cape? Andy smiled. I'm so good. I don't even need a cape. Now I'm going to take care of the bad guy and we're going to blow this joint. Got it? Kate nodded. I need your help. Tell me where he's at. As soon as I finish him off, we're going to leave and you'll never come back here again. He ran his fingers through her curly blonde hair. The bad guy won't hurt you anymore. He's afraid of me. Just show me where he is. Before she could answer, a loud shriek came from behind them. Andy turned, his hands clenched. Andy relaxed his guard at the sight of the purple demon, all thin and wispy and completely harmless to him. Andy Lorenzo, so nice of you to join us today, Pralex said. I was wondering when you would arrive. Something didn't smell right. Pralex was a minor demon with a lowercase f. He could dust Pralex without even breaking a sweat. So how the hell could Pralex have caused such havoc, killing Father Christopher in the process? Even those useless old-school Roman Catholic exorcism rites should have expelled this worthless demon. Annie advanced. You're the one who's been terrorizing this little girl? Behind him, Kate was saying something, but his focus was on the purple demon, who was so gaunt and looked like a strong wind could blow him away. Kralex grinned. Do you like my work? I was hoping you would appear. This didn't add up. Kralex should be terrified of him, not invite a confrontation. The last time they had met in the spirit world, he had run away like a scared dog when he had seen Andy. Where did this newfound courage come from? You killed Father Christopher. He was a friend of mine. Kralex tilted his head and did a theatrical twirl. Such a shame. Remind me to mourn for him. Andy gritted his teeth. I'm going to put a world of hurt on you like you never felt before. Sorry, Kralex rubbed his hands with thin, long fingers. I've experienced much worse. If only you knew. Andy couldn't get over this pathetic little demon's brashness. There was only one thing to do, inflict serious damage on Kralex. With a little luck, he might just be able to permanently erase the demon from existence, so he couldn't inflict any harm on good people like Kate and Father Christopher. Andy held Kate's hand. Please turn away. I'm going to kill the bad guy. He turned to face Kralex. In the background, Kate yelled, He's not the bad... Andy tuned her out, fixing his attention on the demon. He charged, expecting Kralex to take evasive action, but the demon just stood there. Andy grabbed his bony neck. He squeezed it hard and punched the back of Kralex's head. The demon cried out, but Andy showed no mercy. After punching him repeatedly, he choked the demon with both hands. Kralex gasped for breath after Andy let go of him. He probably couldn't kill the demon by asphyxiation, since they weren't built like humans, and even if he could, that would not have been a violent enough death. Andy dragged the demon by the bony spine that protruded from his back. It reminded him of a stegosaurus. Kralex howled as he led him to a large outcropping of semi-molten rock. To the left, just at the surface, blue-black lava flowed. The demon cried out, Just killed me! He wasn't defiant anymore. You're not getting off so easy. I told you I was going to hurt you. Using both hands, 
and he grabbed him by the by his head and hurled him onto the rock. Freilex's back and shoulders crashed into it. He slumped to the ground and whimpered like a beaten dog. And he bent down and ripped out one of the bony extrusions from his spine, causing Kralex to wail. You killed someone I cared about, and now you're going to pay. This is for Father Christopher. He picked the demon up by his legs and swung him against the rock. A loud crack echoed. He then dunked Kralex's head into a nearby stream of lava. It wasn't infernally hot, but it would still hurt like a bitch. The demon's dark skin was now ashen. He babbled something incoherent. And he squeezed his neck. This is the last time you're ever going to harm a human. He picked him up by the legs. This is for Kate. He swung Kralex like a baseball bat. A sick thud sounded when the demon hit the rock. His face, shoulders, and neck were horribly misshapen. He once more dunked the demon's head into the lava. Kralex screamed after his head rose above the surface. Annie's anger simmered when he remembered Kate's reaction when he first saw her. He squeezed the demon's skull. And this is for Holly. She's the most perfect woman I've ever met, and you've caused her so much suffering, you filthy, disgusting creep. He lifted the demon and swung him against a rock. After Kralex dropped to the ground, Annie wanted to dunk his head into the lava once more, but there was no point. He was dead. Annie took a deep breath and wiped the sweat off his brow. He felt no satisfaction after killing Kralex. It had been too easy. He looked around, a form frowning on his face. Kralex's death had not changed the environment. It was still the blazing inferno it had been when he first arrived. After he killed the demon, the entire landscape should have changed instantaneously. That was how it always worked. He clenched his fists, dispelling any notions of the way things were supposed to be, since around here nothing was normal. He walked toward Kate. The girl had a blank stare on her pale face. I, um, got rid of the demon? She shook her head and closed her eyes. He was the nice one. And he nearly stopped breathing. The nice one? There's more than one? Kate nodded. He talked to me and got me stuff. The other ones are real mean. Others as in plural? There was more than one demon infesting the girl's soul? How is that possible? Not for the first time. He wondered what the hell was going on here. And there you have it. That was Carl Alves reading Chapter 9 from Battle of the Soul. Didn't I tell you? He did a fantastic job reading that, didn't he? And it, it, you did the character voices and all. I loved it. Uh, I, I told you you were going to love it. And uh, yeah, I, I've already picked up a copy of that book. Uh, I think you should do the same. Uh, check him out. Follow all the links in the show notes so you can follow his, uh, his website at carlalves.com and his blog. Uh, don't forget to follow us, subscribe so you don't miss another week. Give us a little rating if you like the show, and we will see you again next week with another author, another story, and another sample chapter. Bye, everyone.